Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used or just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Good afternoon, this is Tracy Murdo with Future Tech Podcast, and today I have special guest Andre De Castro of Blockchain of Things. Thank you for joining me this afternoon, Andre. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you for having me. Now, you are basically involved in one of the most interesting and confusing, I'll be honest with you, areas of technology when it comes to cryptocurrency and all of those fine things that come with it. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Tell me a little bit about blockchain of things and, and sort of how this all came to be for you. Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't know if it's uh, that confusing or complicated. Uh, so the better part of my career I spent in enterprise software. Um, I, I did do a stint for a few years at a uh, fixed income division of Citigroup. Um, and around the time that I was in Citigroup was when uh, the first cryptocurrency came to be, which we know of as Bitcoin. And because of uh, some of the ec- economic turmoil that was happening, I quickly became interested in this new form of uh, internet money. Um, being a technologist and a uh, formerly trained software engineer, um, I started looking into it more and more and more and jumped on the bandwagon. And I guess I got bit by the Bitcoin bug very early on um, with cryptocurrency. Um, eventually, uh, after spending time, um, I, I noticed that um, the Internet of Things was taking off uh, understanding uh, the ledger that powered this cryptocurrency called the blockchain, I started to realize many of the powerful, important aspects of this new technology, this uh, global ledger with a footprint, and how it could be used for industry to protect goods and assets through global peer-to-peer communication, which is key to solving many of the IoT's problems. Um, the ability to record immutable data onto this ledger and the ability to control digital assets. That became interesting, so I set out to see how I could marry uh, the technology and focus it towards uh, the industrial internet of things. Okay. So, Andre, what is the ultimate goal of the blockchainofthings.com platform and the, the technology? Uh, the ultimate goal of the platform, the platform is called Catenus Enterprise. The Catenus stands for chains in Latin. Um, and the goal is to offer an easy to integrate with web services layer for rapid integration into the global Bitcoin blockchain. Today, um, it's very, very uh, difficult to integrate into the global Bitcoin blockchain. Um, we want to reduce all barriers to entry so enterprises can uh, take advantage of this ledger 
So we want to simplify and accelerate also secure global peer-to-peer -peer messaging across this ledger and enable digital asset control and recording of immutable data for enterprises when it comes to uh, tracking goods, reducing fraud, and those things. And that's the general goal of the company and our company's enterprise product, Katennis. Okay, so tell me a little bit more about Katennis Enterprise. Katennis uh, Enterprise was uh, conceived uh, by me and two other founders going back a few years. Um, we started working on uh, a web services API layer. So it's a web services API platform uh, for rapid integration. At one point, very early on, we wanted to make sure that what we were doing wasn't you know, just the, the dream. We wanted to ensure that industry would take to this. Uh, we were lucky enough to be invited to uh, an industrial internet consortium event at GE Global Research where we used the first version of our APIs to build a few demos um, for the industrial internet consortium event. And we were able to display that at the time, I think the industrial internet consortium composed of 180 of the world's largest corporations to show them what we would be able to do once our product was released. Um, we got a lot of traction at the event. There was a tremendous amount of interest, and we knew we were on the right track. So we set off to uh, build what would become uh, Katennis Enterprise. Uh, we've, we haven't released Katennis Enterprise fully yet. Um, we're hoping to release the full product to public uh, sometime toward um, the beginning to middle of 2017, although uh, we do have APIs and functionality that um, we're working with companies to use for implementation, just as a standard consumer product to be put out in the wild on the Internet where everyone can take advantage of it. We're, uh, that's not our first goal, right? We want to make sure that we can use it with enterprises, uh, work out all the kinks before um, we just let anyone sign up and get at it. So, Audrey, how does the technology work with smart contracts and asset transition? Uh, yeah, that's an interesting question. So, we approach um, execution of these snippets of code, right? So people, people today have uh, jumped on this concept of smart contracts, right? Smart, the funny thing is, is that uh, we talk about smart contracts not being contracts and not being very smart. <laughs> so all smart contracts really are, are um, you know, snippets of code in a programming language that um, can make a decision. What we do is we attach blockchain addresses to devices throughout the world, and we can send messages between those two points, and we can send messages rather quickly um, in the 100 millisecond range between those two points using 
uh, standard Bitcoin transactions. When we will send a message, we can trigger um, these programs. They could be smart contracts or full-blown programs written in any language uh, at the native speed of the computer that these endpoints are attached to. It could be attached to an iPhone, a lock on the door, a uh, supercomputer, whatever it may be, and we can trigger these programs, uh, these very robust intelligent programs to execute things such as um, relaying messages to other end nodes, relaying digital assets in the form of uh, uh, invoices. They could be mapped to any uh, real world goods or certificates of any sort. So we can build out um, supply chain scenarios for companies using this uh, free global infrastructure. Uh, when I say free, the transactions aren't free, but the infrastructure exists today and you wouldn't have to spend on the infrastructure itself because the Bitcoin blockchain is globally replicated and lives everywhere uh, as close to the end nodes as possible. We're, we talk about the uh, last mile, right? And the last mile when it comes to technology is having this ledger spread uh, all over the planet. And I think we can make lots of uses um, with this technology. So what are the, the obvious benefits to companies and to the consumers? Um, when we think about it, right, for a second here, um, I think most of us are acutely aware of the fact that Internet of Things devices are being compromised every day. Now, what's interesting is that on the global Bitcoin blockchain, never has a transaction that has been transmitted from point A to point B ever been subverted. And there are some basic reasons for that. Uh, and the basic reason is that every transaction gets uh, cryptographically signed from point of origin. Typically, people think of it as a financial transaction or a wallet that sends a bit of cryptocurrency. But, you know, that wallet is just a piece of software and it's communicating and it's signing with a private key um, using cryptographic algorithm. So it's really a machine communicating to another machine, although we tend to extend that and say, oh, uh, John is sending cryptocurrency to Sally, right? Uh -huh. um, we see transactions upwards of $160 million, and it's never been subverted. And there's a $12 billion with a B bounty for hackers to be able to hack into the Bitcoin blockchain, and it hasn't happened in eight and a half years. So we have to scratch our heads and wonder why. Right. So um, in our company, we did, and we said, well, if we can bring this type of security communication to the world of the IoT, then devices wouldn't get hacked. Now, there's a small cost as a transaction fee to get this done, but if we think of high-value items throughout the world that need to be secured at uh, the industrial level and government level, then we can quickly realize the benefits of the security it provides. And not only that, every single transaction eventually gets logged to the uh, blockchain, and the blockchain is immutable. So now we have tracing of every single transaction that occurred. 
And I think that that's important because devices today get compromised. And within the compromising of these devices, the owners of the device don't even know that they've been compromised, right? So most devices are purposefully built. They're built to uh, do communication in one or two or three ways, right? When uh, hackers take control of these devices because they speak through the internet, now they can cause the device to speak through the internet to do their bidding. With having um, the blockchain as the communication channel, we quickly know if the device has been compromised. So not only do we gain the advantage of security, but we gain the advantage of the visibility and auditability. More so, and very, very important, is the fact that this ledger is peer-to-peer -peer technology. Now, we need to think about that for a second. Large companies are deploying IoT devices all over the world using the central cloud. And for some reason, this word cloud seems to be a magical term. And the reality is that a cloud only means someone else's computer and someone else's warehouse as opposed to their own IT department. And as we've seen, and I think this is about six weeks ago, one of the largest internet service providers in the world called DynDNS had a bunch of their systems go down due to a denial, a distributed denial of service attack on DynDNS. And for several hours, all of the internet in North America was taken down. Now we have to think about this because today we have Internet of Things devices that are in the healthcare sector, um, some of them from the fibrillators to um, insulin pumps are embedded in humans walking around. And these systems speak centrally, right? Cities are getting revamped with Internet of Things devices, and they all speak centrally to a central computer. So, you know, just like we saw Dying DNS be taken down by a hacker because of a distributed denial of service attack, pretty soon we'll see cities go black, right, with no lights and things of that nature. If these companies don't realize that they need to implement peer-to-peer -peer technology, and that's something significant that we bring to the table, and that's not only security but allowing peer-to-peer -peer technology to proliferate because when you don't have a central point of attack, it becomes much harder to take um, hundreds of thousands of devices down um, with a directed attack, right? So right. Um, that's, that's the type of thing that um, we want to bring to industry, and I think it will be a game changer. And if there's any large companies listening to this podcast and they're interested in how we can enable that, because there are many companies today spending tens of millions of dollars deploying IoT solutions and not considering the ramifications that will happen in the future where companies are going to realize that they really can't use this cloud centralized structure and they need peer-to-peer -peer communication, yet their options are few. Um, if they want to use a trusted communication channel that protects $12 billion worth of assets. It's been around for eight and a half years and no transaction has ever been uh, hacked or subverted. Then 
I would, I would strongly have them consider looking at what blockchain of things and the Katenas product provides. So, Audrey, what is the competition like in this space? Um, it's interesting, right? So we try to think about the competitive space today, and we don't know of any pure play Bitcoin blockchain IoT companies. We do know of one company who's using peer-to-peer technology for IoT products, but they don't use uh, the Bitcoin blockchain. They use different type of peer-to-peer technology that um, is unproven. Right? I think the advantage of using the global Bitcoin blockchain is that the peer-to-peer code base is proven, being looked over by some of the most sophisticated engineers in the world constantly. Um, so in that space, we don't see a lot. When we look in the space for blockchain technology more specifically, you have a lot of companies that are looking at permission ledgers. But these permission ledgers, right, they, they may work for a small consortium. Um, I don't really see them being used on a global footprint for industries that have companies spread out throughout the world that need a global footprint of infrastructure, and that's the advantage. So when you see the permission ledgers, we don't necessarily see them in our competitive space. And then when you see the ones who are using um, the global Bitcoin blockchain, they're usually point solutions. So you see a lot of companies doing such things as um, proof of origin and provenance or using the capabilities of the blockchain to record immutable information onto the blockchain. But you don't see companies who are developing um, a layer on top of Bitcoin to be able to protect end nodes and create security paradigms between what devices can speak to what other other devices that both support messaging and digital assets at the same time. And we're unique in that space, uh, trailblazers, if you will. So Mm -hmm. from a competitive perspective, um, I'm sure we're going to get more and more competition looking under the covers and trying to figure out what we're doing as we lead the the pack. Uh, And we we welcome competition. I think that uh, it's healthy, and there's a world of opportunities out there because the, the IOT is enormous. Um, and, you know, hopefully we'll be able to service everybody, but we'll see as time goes on. What scrutiny, if any, is this technology facing currently, such as, you know, risk, tax? So what are you looking at? Okay. Well, it's interesting because for the most part, Um, cryptocurrency and Bitcoin technology is facing a lot of scrutiny, but that scrutiny comes when you're using it for uh, financial purposes, right? So when you're using the token for, of the cryptocurrency uh, to hold custodial funds, for instance, on behalf of someone else, and then you're stepping into the regulatory area of finance, and that's a lot of scrutiny. We're completely apart from that. We're basically a um, shield our customers from all of the messy cryptocurrency. They could uh, 
quickly purchase what we call Katenis messages. We abstract out all of the cryptocurrency. So what we're using the blockchain for is a communication mechanism. It's a layer. We're using it for its distributed ledger capabilities. It's um, power when it comes to cryptographic signing and verification and those things. So when it comes to regulatory oversight, I think those are the point solutions that are basically focusing on finance where we're at the other end of the spectrum. We don't have to worry about any regulatory oversight or things of that nature because we're simply a software platform layer on top of this uh, transparent, open global ledger. Now, does the blockchain technology face the future issues with quantum computers? Yeah, you hear that said all the time, and it's, um, it's interesting because we don't have quantum computers, but we already have quantum algorithms, uh, quantum cryptographic algorithms to, to be able to fight against the technology that will soon come in the future. So there was, I, I, you can't quote me on the paper, but there was also a gentleman who has done some mathematical research and published a white paper. Um, his name in the paper doesn't come to mind at the moment, but basically proving that even today's uh, SHA-256 elliptical curve cryptography that uh, Bitcoin uses would be resistant to quantum computers uh, mathematically. So we have both. We have uh, scientists um, working out the math to show that even quantum computers are going to have uh, a tremendously hard time breaking the cryptography that exists today. And we have others who have already worked on and have uh, examples of uh, quantum-resistant cryptographic algorithms. So I don't think that's much of a concern. Are there any other technologies or things that you guys are working on, new developments along the way? There are. Most of our technologies that, that are new or rather proprietary, we're unique in this space such that we're targeting enterprises. Most of the community approaches building software from a completely open perspective. And although some of our software will be open source, uh, a lot of it um, is closed source for industry. So our approach is a little bit different than uh, most individuals. So you'll be able to read marketing slicks about our product and be able to use our product like you would uh, an Oracle database or Microsoft system. But like Oracle and Microsoft, we don't necessarily publish white papers on you know, extremely um, new technology innovations. Not that we won't as we go forward. We're still a small company. We're still um, in the growing phase. We're going through um, uh, pre-series A financing as we speak. So if there's any companies who are interested in reaching out to us uh, from a uh, financing perspective, they can also free, feel free to do so by going to uh, blockchainofthings.com or um, uh, following us on Twitter at BlockchainOT um, and contacting us. So 
I can't predict what the future will bring. Just lastly, some final thoughts, Andre. What vision do you have for blockchain of things? My, my vision is that uh, blockchain of things is going to prove itself and become the premier global peer-to-peer communication mechanism for um, the global industrial internet of things. Um, we have a lot of industry they're using um, very weak, unproven technology to uh, connect very high-valued items. Uh, high-valued items, um, and these high-valued items can be not costly items, right? You could have a, a switch that's only worth $500 that becomes compromised in an electrical grid and brings down a grid that is worth, you know, tens of millions of dollars, right? So when I say high-valued items, I don't necessarily mean items that are necessarily expensive, but if it were compromised, the expense would be ginormous. So we, we believe we're leading the pack. Um, we've been working on this technology for over um, two and a half years when people didn't even think of blockchain technology, much less the marriage and cross-section of blockchain technology with the Internet of Things. Um, so we believe we're well positioned to be the premier company uh, helping out the, uh, the, the enterprise and the industrials with some of the major challenges they have with IoT today and going forward. That's the vision. Amazing stuff. Well, I wanna I wanna give a special thanks to you, Andre DeCastro, CEO and co-founder of Blockchain of Things. Andre, thank you so much for your valuable time today. We look forward to seeing where uh, the world takes you. Good. Thank you so much for having me. On, on the show, and I encourage all your listeners uh, to reach out, go to our website, and um, hook up with us through all the social media channels. Thank Excellent. you. Excellent. Again, that was blockchainofthings.com. Thank you so much, Andre. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.